Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105. It's hour number two of Oilers Now. And uh, Thursday's one of my favorite days of the week. I mean, we got Louis DeBrusque and we have... Uh, Brian Burke, and really not much more needs to be said than that, does it? Uh, the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title-sponsored Digitex. Digitex has been on board with us now for five consecutive seasons. Digitex, uh, no need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office, technology, software, IT, and supplies. We'll tell you that guests on the show will receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers now sent you straight off to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780 780- Four nine six zero zero six three for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We are pleased to be joined as we are every Thursday at one o five by uh, Rogers analyst and longtime NHL executive Brian Burke. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, well, uh, let's start with uh, a couple storylines. Stanley Cup Final Game Five goes tonight. Zdeno Jar broken jaw. Um, he had handwritten responses to his questions today. Looks like he's going to give it a go. Does this just add to the uh, the lore of the toughness of hockey players and the willingness that a guy is prepared to play with a broken jaw? Yeah, well, he, he's, you know, Zidane Ochara is a, a wonderful human being, great hockey player, tough as nails. I, I don't, I'm just curious. I don't know if, if we're the, – the notion of having a broken jaw – Okay, so I talked to a team doctor today or texted with him and then talked to him. And clearly there's two kinds. So you have a, once there's a crack of any kind in the bone, you've got a broken bone. Right. But if it's not displaced, if it's not broken completely through, not displaced, so they have to do a medical intervention, surgical intervention to put plates on it and reattach the two ends of the bone, it's a pain threshold thing. And he said you'd medicate that and, uh, most players would be able to play with this type of thing. So I'm just curious to know what the injury is. Yeah. It's not fun. Even if it's just a crack jawbone, it ain't fun. Yeah. So it does add to the lore. But I think people think 
he's got this jaw hanging on by a thread and they're letting him play. Uh, My guess is it's something in between. Uh, And I'll give credit where credit was due. This was a line written by a a longtime uh, sports writer here in town by the name of Robin Brownlee describing Jason Smith of the Edmonton Oilers when he was captain. He said he had the pain threshold of a cadaver. And uh, (laughs) it's a great line. And this is when Smith, during the playoffs in a game against the Dallas Stars, was being stitched at the Oilers bench during the game after he'd taken a you know a puck or a high stick or whatever. How many there there's a legendary story at the Edmonton Eskimos. They had a middle linebacker Dan Kepley. He was out of North Carolina, and uh, he played middle linebacker. Stepped in to make a tackle, and the fullback Steve Molner that was playing for Saskatchewan, uh, got, he got in a better position on the play and knocked Dan the you know what out. And the Eskimos had to hide his helmet on the bench because Kepley, when he came to, left the field and wanted to get back in immediately. In your role as an NHL executive, how many times did you have to stop players from wanting to play uh, when they were injured? Because they needed, uh, you know, I mean, that's got to be a very difficult situation. But I know guys go through it because uh, that is the, you know, that's the willingness of the athlete, right? They want to get back out there and they want to give her a go. Well, it's the, the only sport where athletes lie to the doctors to get back on the field or the ice. Right. Um, we we have to warn our doctors before the season starts. Don't don't believe much of what the players will tell you about a return to play situation. Certainly not how their head is, or you know if their if their shoulder hurts too much. They're going to tell you they want to go, and so they are legendarily tough. Um, Shane O'Brien played for me in Anaheim. He was playing for the Portland Pirates in the Calder Cup playoffs. Got a skate cut that took 60 or 70 stitches along his jawbone, and he spent the entire time swearing at the doctor to hurry up. He missed the whole first period and played the rest of the game. We used to see uh, Shane at uh, Jarfy Lupul's golf tournament uh, over the years. He was often the last man standing. I'm not surprised. That that was yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean, I beat it. Yes, I've seen him sometimes where he wouldn't have needed much anesthetic to do the stitches. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was an all-in kind of guy. Oh, man. Uh, your thoughts overall on the series being at 2-2 right now, Brian? Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, St. Louis, they just won't go away. Uh, I think it's really hard to play the style they're playing for 60 minutes every night. It takes a lot out of you, and it's showing up in, in this series. They've only played two, exactly 50% of the games with Blues, vicious forecheck, physical pounding hockey. The other two they've been, they've tried to skate with Boston, in my view. And I don't think they have a chance unless they can play that style uh, at least a couple more games. And so I'm taking Boston tonight. I think they, uh, I might dress 7D if I were Boston, if they're going to dress Grizzly and Chara. It's a good chance, you know, one of them might go out. Um, good chance two of them might go out. Um, I might dress 70, um, but I think I'm taking Boston. I think they're. Uh, I think they know what's in front of them. I think they know now what they have to do to win. And I think it's really hard for St. Louis to play at that combat level of effort and intensity seven times. All right, so 2011, uh, you know, Boston was the bully and Vancouver was the more skilled team, so it's somewhat ironic to hear Boston being described as the better skating and more skilled team in this matchup. That said, uh, have we seen clearly 
that the playoffs are a different animal than the regular season. Yeah, but I don't, yes, for sure. But I don't think that's a revelation to anyone. I mean, right. that's it has ever been thus. I think is the old quote, and um, or it was ever thus. Sure. And I don't think that's a revelation. I think it's been different since I first started following hockey. And I think you've got to build your roster with an eye toward the regular season and have the components necessary to compete in the postseason. So does that make being a manager incredibly tricky? Well, not for me, because I like it. My teams always play that way. Right. Everyone knows my teams always play. My toughest team was probably my first team in Hartford. So I, I'm not, you know, there's no one no one ever plays a Brian Burke team and says, hey, man, I was really surprised. They played really physical. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a matador saying, who let that big cow in here, you know? And so I'm like, to me, it was it was always part of the equation because we wanted to play that way all year. We're joined by Brian Burke. Brian, Ken Holland's now the GM here. Dave Tippett, the head coach. There's a lot of experience with those guys. Should there be fresh starts? If you if you were coming into a situation, uh, there, there's a couple guys out there, obviously Milan Lucic's name, and the other one over the course of the last 24 to 36 hours is Jesse Pugliarvi. Now, we don't know the full, you know, how much input the agent case in point has had with uh, Pugliarvi, with Marcus Lato, but you know, wouldn't you kind of think there'd be a, a fresh start from both parties' ends in that scenario, from the team's perspective and from the players' perspective, when there is a new regime that comes into place? Well, first off, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kenny Holland, and he hasn't told me this, I haven't spoken to him about any trades there, any people, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't ruled out moving Pugliar before the right asset, age group asset. Um, I think the Edmonton organization, despite what you and I have talked about on the air, had reached a frustration level last year by the end of the year that they were willing to listen to age group assets for him. So a like um, by a like by a struggling prospect in another organization is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Another high pick, or maybe a, maybe a high pick in this draft, uh, a guy a high pick that hasn't worked out yet in another organization, whatever. But uh, if he's here. It makes sense to give anyone on your team a second chance. Like to me, I believe in second chances. I believe in them as a GM. I believe in them if I've been a coach. Uh, I'm a sucker for that for a player that makes a mistake and deserves a second chance. Slots made a, a career out of rescuing guys. Right. He was the, he brought in more straight dogs than anybody. So to me, it makes perfect sense. Give all these guys a new look. They're, you know, someone don't need a new look or a fresh start. Guys that played well under Hitch and put up good numbers and all that, but. All the rest of them, absolutely. Give them a look at him with a new, fresh pair of eyes. Yes, Apolliarvi. Upon his recall in seventeen eighteen, nine goals, twelve points in twenty one games. In his last nine ninety games as an Oiler, he's had just seven goals. So, uh, what about Milan Lucic? I mean, and I know you briefly hit on it there. Um, does his valuation, as you sit there and watch the playoffs go, he's a guy in theory who should be more effective the longer you go into the season. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I said this before on the show, and, and I'll make full disclosure. Luch is a good friend of mine, so I'm I, I'm probably biased when I answer these questions about yes. him. But to me, if he were making two and a half million dollars, people love having him there because because people are afraid of him. He makes people nervous. He keeps people honest. He keeps a lot of circus stuff from happening around around Connor and the rest of the guys, and uh, he still has value for that. Now, 
the initial discussion you have to have is, is that value worth the $7 million a year we pay him for what, four years remaining? Four years remaining at $6 yeah. million. Is, is, that, is that asset better utilized if we buy him out and use the money elsewhere? That's the first cold-blooded assessment you make as a GM, even if you love the player. You want to put the money to the best use regardless of your feelings for the player. If they can upgrade at that position with the money they save on a buyout, they're going to have to look at that. Second is, can they get a player with the same term and money that adds more value? Could another team's mistake, maybe. They've got to look at that. I heard Louis Erickson. That makes no sense to me if I'm Edmonton. But And then third, <clears throat> if he's coming back, then I'd say to the coach, I'm not asking you to give him a second chance and look at him through a fresh set of eyes. I'm ordering you to. Because this is our, he's our dog as long as he's wearing our collar. So let's pet him. I, I think that uh, we have to assume that that conversation existed prior to Dave Tippett signing on the dotted line. I think that's kind of the scenario that it goes down. By the way, and, he, and, and Luke's just a great guy. It's not like coaches don't like having him around, and his teammates don't like having him around. He provides it's much like David Backus right now. Even on a night when David Backus might not do much on the score sheet, his presence on the bench is extremely important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, there's one coaching job still out there. Is Dallas Aikens going to end up being Bob Murray's choice in Anaheim? We've heard uh, Lane Lambert. And we've heard Todd Nelson getting interviews as well. Yeah, they've interviewed a bunch of people. Um, I assumed all along that Dallas would get the job. That's still my assumption. Obviously, Anaheim is making sure to turn over every stone, which which I, I guess makes sense. If you're, you know, you have your own internal candidate, and they love Dallas Eakins, but I guess it is proper procedure and proper etiquette to, you know, you say to your owner, "Oh, we just promoted Dallas." I think it's a better conversation if you say, "I'm promoting Dallas." after interviewing eight top young guys. So uh, I think it was always Dallas's job to lose, and I'm hopeful that it still will be. All right. Now we're going to hit on a different topic. So I was at the Combine last week in Buffalo, and you have dual citizenship. Is that correct, Brian? Yep. Okay. I know you have immense pride in the U.S. National Development Program, and so you should. It, but, but it is an all-star team, and really good players get to play with really good players. There, there's, a, there's a couple things I'm noticing here. And and maybe it's a byproduct of how Canadians are, but I just get the sense sometimes that there's a little bit more support for the American players from the Americans, and there's more second guessing of Canadian prospects from Canadians. And I, you know, the last tournament that a lot of scouts see are the U18 tournament. The U.S. had an impressive showing. They didn't win the tournament. They lost a game by fluke. It was seen as a character builder. Canada played pretty well in that tournament as well. Uh, And they lost a game to Sweden where they didn't get a lot of beneficial calls in that game. Sweden was the host. And then the U.S. beat them in the uh, bronze medal game. But there seems to be a different narrative coming out of that, Brian. For the American kids, it's... What a you know what a great character lesson this was you know we had a glorified all star team that's built to to play in this tournament uh, and conversely for the Canadians it was seen as uh, they didn't you know they didn't achieve in the medal round and I, I do you think I'm completely out to lunch or am I on to something there? Well, I hadn't noticed that, but but just listening to you, there's some merit to it. Um... I find, and again, I've been a Canadian for since 1992, so okay. however many years that is, 27 years? Well, I'm not very good at math, but uh, 
anyway, so, so I'm very proud of my, my having a foot on each side of the border. And, and to me, I love the fact that Canada views any tournament as a failure unless they win it. I love that. Okay. They've got the bar so high that I've tried to get the U.S. teams to see. We have to go to these tournaments like Canada does, where anything less than a gold is viewed as a failure. And you'll hear, I remember they, they, they won the World Juniors five years in a row, and the team that lost the next year, they might as well have not have gone into the tournament. No one will even speak of them. It's like they never existed. So I love that about Canada. I've, I've said in USA Hockey meetings, we, we have to get that same mentality. Okay. Um, and people resent the U.S. program because they bring in the top players from however many states. They, I think they've had players now from 35 or 37 states. Um, listen, the U.S. is doing a remarkable job of developing hockey players, and not just the tip of the pyramid, which is the under-18 program, but also the base of the pyramid and all the layers in between. And they have poured resources into it. The NHL teams playing in those markets have done a remarkable job of contributing to the player development there. But uh, there's more people in, Canada, in California than there are in Canada. The, 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 this invasion of Americans that started a few years ago is not going to stop, folks. Mm-hmm. That said, you can make an argument right now, Brian, that maybe three or four of the top five players in the league are Canadian. Crosby, oh. Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon. I throw Drew Doughty. I think he's the best defenseman in the league. So Canada's uh, uh, still producing. Can- some- Canada has Canada has been the beacon for all the other hockey countries to follow. Now I will say I do think uh, the way Europeans develop young players, which is more what the American system has gone to, the American development model, the ADM, and I think we need to catch. I say we as a Canadian, I think we need to catch up on some of the things they're doing. It's already happening. A lot of the provinces have gone to an ADM model type thing, using the rink sideways, getting more players on the ice, and maximizing your use of ice time. Small rink stuff, small area stuff. There, there's, we're doing a lot of things well in Canada. This, this is not a case where anyone in Canada has to be nervous about what kind of players we're producing. We're producing great players. All right. I'm gonna... the, the, the rest of the world's catching up, though. Okay, I got another one for you. Does the U.S. system allow for the American players to show more personality on and off the ice than the Canadian system? Because I can tell you in the interview process, you know, just physically being there doing the interviews, a lot of the American kids seem more comfortable to talk in the, in, and I mean, I was there doing media interviews, not team interviews, which can be a completely different story. And I know you, you hit a bit on that last week. But I wonder sometimes whether or not there's, a, uh, there's more license given to the American kids than the Canadian kids. Oh, you're cutting it. You're cutting it pretty close. I will say this, because I did the same interviews for two days. I'm disappointed I didn't see you in Buffalo. I was there all day Thursday and all day Friday. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I thought the American kids, the under-18 program kids, were very polished. Yes. And we asked one of them. And media training is part of what they do. Now, I know when I, when I worked for Calgary, we owned the Hitmen. We did media training as well. Did you? I just okay. think that they're probably exposed to it a little bit more coming into the draft. So many high picks. There you go. Interesting stuff. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time, and we'll hook up next week. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. You bet. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, longtime NHL executive, Brian Burke. And, of course, Sportsnet has got the NHL draft. We are there Saturday uh, doing our interviews.
and some of the American kids crushed it. You're not going to hear one of them in the next half hour of the show. We ran the Alex Turcott interview yesterday. Today we're going to hear from Philip Broberg from Sweden and Peyton Krebs in the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Final half hour of Oilers. Now, uh, we're going to take a quick timeout, come back with some text on our Heartland 4 text line. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Got lots to get to via text. Tyler texts the show to says, Bob, have some negative feedback coming your way for the first time ever. Hank Snow did the original version of I've Been Everywhere, and then Stompin' Tom and Johnny Cash covered it. Well, I did not know that. Hank Snow. Wasn't he a wide receiver in the NFL? Was there not an NFL? Uh, Brendan, can you text us up? Uh, I thought there was a wide receiver in the NFL with the Vikings by the name of Hank Snow. Maybe I'm wrong. We all know who John Snow was. Uh, uh, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at orders now. Uh, so much to get to. Uh, Bob, regarding the United States and Canadians, uh, don't you think the personality thing has to do with the culture? Canadians are uh, so reserved, borderline antisocial. The state's much different and more outspoken. That text comes to us from Edmonton. Another text comes in saying, Bob, Thursdays are awesome. My two favorite guests in one day, Louis DeBrusque and Berkey. All you need is Kelly Rudy to make it perfect. That one comes to us from Chris in Victoria. Uh, another text coming in. Yes, that's me fiddling with the mic. Uh, Bob, would you, uh, would the Evans Motors trade yes a Poliarvi for Josh Hosang? Um, I don't think so. I don't think they would do that deal. Raider Jesse says, I do everything possible to keep Yesapoliarvi. Again, you can text us at 630-630. This longer one. Hey, Bob, uh, comes to us from KDK. Just thinking about how the orders can improve and maximize results for next year. Considering Tippett's now our coach, do you think Oliver ekman Larson could be had out of Arizona? I know he just signed a deal last season, but the Coyotes also signed Chikrin, and I think they want him to take on more responsibility. With something like Clefbaum and Sekrin, our 2019 first-round pick, and uh, Paul Yarvi or Yam- uh, Yamamoto get it done. I think this would vastly improve the team by adding a reliable puck-moving defenseman who could also mentor both Joel uh, Joel Bouchard, Joel Person, and Evan Bouchard. Joel Bouchard was a defenseman for the Flames. Uh, I like Clefbaum, but he's hurt every year, and I think at this price point, I think Arizona would strongly consider it. Adding bonafide NHL defensemen, the key to the Oilers' success moving forward. The Oilers can't continue to rely on young players with little to no NHL experience to come in and make a significant impact. 
That's uh, from KDK. You do realize Arizona's drafting 14. They were closer to making the playoffs in Edmonton. They had a ton of injuries. They got a ton of cap space. Why would they need to do that deal? They just need to add a bit. Like, uh, appreciate, I mean, KDK, it, it's an Oilers perspective. You know, I don't I don't see, and again, Clefbaum's got a great value contract. I'd say that'd be a hard-pressed deal to make happen. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy back with Peyton Krebs, Philip Roberg, and more texts. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.